All right. Hopefully everyone can hear us. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Scripts and Scribes live stream, episode 10. Uh, we're glad you can join us today. I am your freshly vaccinated host, Kevin Tuganaga. Uh, before we get started, this Saturday, we're doing a live stream Q&A with screenwriter Rob Edwards, who wrote Treasure Planet and The Princess and the Frog for Disney. He is currently working on his as-yet-still-classified project for Marvel, and we're going to be talking about writing and developing animation projects. So if you're into animation, be sure to join us for that. And next Saturday, we're hosting another live stream Q&A on staffing season with uh, writer-producer Ali Siebert. Uh, she's worked on Hawaii Five-0, Chicago Fire, and The Rookie, and I'm working on getting a, a second panelist as well so if you want to get the inside scoop on what staffing season is like uh, and you want to have your questions answered that's your opportunity but today since we're in fellowship season we're talking all about network fellowships and there's no one better to help us navigate that process than our guest who is the director of the cbs diversity writers mentoring program and director of the wga showrunner training program she's also an author of hollywood game plan how to land a job in film, TV, and digital entertainment. Link is in the description below. And an amazing, generous human being, Carol Kirshner. Thanks for coming on, Carol. It is my pleasure, and I am, what did you say? I'm an amazing, generous person. You are an amazing, generous I person. I am. I really am. Um, anyways, yeah, it's great to be here, and hello to you all out there. And um, yeah, let's talk about fellowships. What Great. can I tell you? Well, before we open it up to questions from the audience, I wanted to get some questions out that I thought were relevant and that many people in the audience may find helpful to avoid multiple questions of the same thing. Um, right. The first off, for those who have heard the term fellowship and may have sort of a gleaming, gleaning, gleaming understanding gleaning. of yes. the, the what fellowships are, Maybe you can explain what are some of the things that fellows are involved in during the program and what's expected of them? Uh, and, and also, what would you say the biggest advantage of participating in the fellowships is for uh, emerging writers? Absolutely. All I can really speak to or what I will speak to is my program, which is the CBS Diversity Institute mm -hmm. Writers Mentoring Program. It's now the Viacom CBS Global mentoring program. Since Viacom and CBS merged, there's a new name for it. But um, I created the program 17 years ago and um, really proud of it. We have so many, we have 12 alumni that are showrunners. Wow. So it's very exciting. Nothing makes me happier than when somebody from my CBS program is part of my showrunner training program. Um, so here's what it looks like. Here's what the CBS program is, what happens, what the benefit of being in it is. Um, it's an eight month program. The first three months you write a new piece of material, a pilot with a CBS studio or network current or development executive. Usually you have a team of two mentors. Hmm. Your whole beginning three months is really with them. Then I get you for 16 weeks. And we have once a week workshops. And the purpose of that is it's almost like a finishing school. Um, and I work with you on how you present your best self. And we do a number of mock showrunner meetings, uh, evenings. And I've been fortunate since I know a lot of showrunners from my showrunner program. And they come and they speak. 
to the class, and then each class member has a chance to do a five-minute mock interview as if they're mm. there on a staffing meeting, and they do it, and then the showrunner and I give them feedback. So that's a big part of the program. It, it's an invaluable part of the program. Um, you also spend part of or a whole day shadowing in a writer's room so that you get an experience of what it is like to be in a room. So you're not on your first day of actual work going in cold. Mm -hmm. That's also very helpful. Um, I have as speakers during those 16 weeks, uh, agents, managers, executives, showrunners, and we also have um, Rashad Rasani, who is an amazing showrunner, and he does a mock writing room. So when you're shadowing in a real writer's room, you're not allowed to say anything. You're not, you're fly on the wall. But in this session, it's all about you getting your chops up to pitch in a room. We have alumni come and speak in the cone of silence night and talk about what it's really like to be that staff writer, what you have to do to survive and thrive and get invited back. So one of the big benefits of the fellowships is that most of the networks or studios have funding so that they can pay for a staff writer's salary to start off with. Um, I think it's 16 weeks. I'm not entirely certain. And that means that for the show, they are not paying for you for the first 16 weeks. It is your opportunity to make yourself invaluable. And then the show picks up the, the cost of you and you have to make yourself worthy of coming out of the budget. Mm -hmm. um, the other real benefit is that you create a relationship with the people in your cohort. This year, we had more mentees than we've ever had before. We have 10 mentees. Past years, it's been six, seven, eight. This year, it's 10 because CBS has a mandate for by next year to have 50% of writing staffs be inclusive. Mm. And um, What percentage so are you at now? You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's better than it was, sure, but not as good as it needs to be. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that. Um, when alumni came this past, because uh, we're just wrapping up the program, we're done at the end of April, and we had first time show, first time staff writers speaking, and then the next week we had alumni who had been doing it for a number of years. And the first time staff writers talked about there were other people of color, there were other women in the room. And when the old timers, and by that I mean they'd been in the business, they'd been working for five years or so, they were often the only person of color hmm. or the, the only woman in an all-male room. So things are changing, not as much as they need to. But having the relationships with the people in your class, I, I have a class that's still, and it's been seven years, they have brunch twice a year, they connect with each other regularly. These are the people that are going to be your classmates, if you will. You're going to come up in the business with them, they're there to support you, they're there to tell you about jobs. 
they are there to have your back. Um, so does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> Perhaps more long-winded than you no. intended. Uh, so that's what the program is like. And it sounds like it's more than just developing a new piece of material and setting up some meetings. It's actually getting, like you had mentioned, getting your, your feet wet, getting to sit in on a writer's room so that your first day you're not sort of just thrown to the wolves, which is great. But now that we've talked about a little bit about what the fellowship is and what it tries to accomplish, what's the application process like? Because I'm sure most of the listeners and viewers are interested in that. Yeah, that's that's the next step. So I wanted to know what the pro whole process was like. I mean, who reads the scripts? Sure. Uh, are, are the personal statements, uh, letter of intent, resume, bio, that kind of stuff, are they read by different people than the scripts separately? Or does it go along the process if the readers do not respond to the pilot specs, they don't move forward, so the rest of the material and the application is not looked at, that sort of thing. And then where does it go from there? Sure. Well, I can take you behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, but something I didn't mention is that my colleague at CBS, Viacom CBS, is the amazing, she's amazing, Jeannie Mao. And she's vice president of inclusion and equity for CBS, for Viacom CBS. And she is the one that gets our mentees material to the showrunners and gets them staff. Mm -hmm. Gets, you know, she she is a champion. She's amazing. But then back to your question, here's how the process works. We had 1,800 applicants Oof. last year for 10 slots. Mm -hmm. um, the scripts first go to readers. There's two levels of readers. First, one level reads you, and if you score well, then the next level reads you. And then if you are a top scorer, I will, and Jeannie will, probably this year it'll just be me, um, we will read your material. And out of that 1,800 last year, I probably read 60 applicants. Okay. Um, if we don't respond to your material, we don't read your uh, letter of interest, your mm -hmm. bio, your resume. That's irrelevant. If we like the material, if we respond to the material, then we look at the letter of interest. And mm -hmm. the way to think about that is your letter of interest is a third writing sample. It is not a college essay. It's not a uh, interview application. It is another piece of entertaining, engaging writing. And this time it's about you. And the point of it is for us to get a sense of who you are, whether we can help you get an agent or manager, whether we feel like you're ready to be staffed. And for us, for Jeannie and me, Jeannie and I, we're not interested in staff writers. We're really interested in people who are gonna end up being showrunners. Mm. We look for leadership. Because it's only when BIPOC writers are showrunners that the needle moves in a meaningful, really meaningful way. Because right now, or in the past, white guys have been the one who's been running the show and they hire their friends. And that's, you know, that made sense for them. And when people of color are staffing a show, they want to have people that are people they know because white guys choose people that look like them and people of color tend to choose 
not just people who look like them, but they have a concept of what inclusion means. Mm -hmm. So we are looking for future showrunners. Mm -hmm. um, so that letter is really important. It, it gives us a window into you, into your personality, into your story. Um, the, the letter, uh, the resume is just for us to see what you've been doing in your career and whether you have any understanding of what the entertainment industry is. If you don't, that's not a problem. It's just for us to find out about it. Well, you had mentioned it doesn't matter to you necessarily if they've had experience or exposure to the industry per se. Does it make yeah. a difference to you if, again, assuming you've liked their their work, does it make a difference to you if they're already represented, if they have representation? No. But I got to tell you, CBS is different. Mm. There's other programs, oh, I sure. won't mention names, ABC, that, um, that are really only interested in people who already know the business, mm. are in the business, can, can talk, you know, have people that can recommend them. The CBS program, and I'm not just ABC, it's a fabulous program. It's really fantastic. And a, a number of people that have been through CBS went to the ABC program. Zaire McGee went through CBS, did not get staffed, went through the ABC program. He's now a showrunner. Mm -hmm. um, but what's meaningful for Jeannie and I is that it's about access. It's for people who have not had access before. And it is so gratifying when somebody who hasn't been in the business may not. This two years ago, um, Dimitri had been a um, uh, in D.C. He was what is it when you try and get votes? What's that called? Uh, you mean like a, a lobbyist? He was a lobbyist. Hmm. He was a D.C. lobbyist. He'd never been in television. He'd never been in the business. He got into the program. He was beyond thrilled, and now he's been staffed every season. Oh, so great. it doesn't matter to us whether you know about the business or not. We'll teach you. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess uh, my next question is, what are some of the things that make applicants stand out, assuming you like their writing samples? Right. What makes them stand out in their, uh, and you would also mention, you know, their personal statement, letter of intent is sort of a third writing sample. But what makes people stand out, good and bad, in both the personal statement and in the interview, which uh, I did want to ask you a few questions about as well, yeah. uh, assuming they get that far? Right. Um, if somebody can tell a great story mm -hmm. in their letter of interest that grabs us and that is unique, and if they have a voice, if their life experiences are something that we feel that a showrunner would want to have in their writing room, that's a way for them to really stand out. A great story, something that grabs you mm -hmm. right away from the first sentence. Um, that makes somebody stand out. If what makes somebody stand out in a bad way is um, if they don't get what the purpose of this is, if they have some kind of attitude, if they're, if they are, um, if there's an entitled quality about it, that would make them stand out in a bad way. If they can't spell, that makes them stand out in a bad way. Sure. The, the directions are 
a one-page, double-spaced, 12-point font letter. If they go on beyond that, that makes them stand out mm. in a bad way. It's like, really? You can't follow direction? Really? How are you going to be in a writer's room? Um, so people are asked to submit two writing samples, if I'm not mistaken, yes. uh, an original pilot and then a spec. Yes. Do Are they read at the same time by the same yes. reader? Okay. Yes, always. So, and, and I just have to say, mm -hmm. most people are now saying, all you need is a pilot, you don't need a spec. Hmm. And that's bullshit. Can I say bullshit? Sure. Uh, just sorry, think. I just did. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm a lone uh, voice in the wilderness here because mm. I know showrunners who are not interested in your original vision. They don't care. What they care about is, can you write in my voice? Mm -hmm. And there's no way to show that besides a spec. Also, you could spend five years on a pilot. Nobody knows that. But, and you know, that you honed it and you polished it and it's perfect, but you don't have five years once you're in a writer's room. Mm -hmm. So a spec is really, really valuable. And for you guys who are starting out, I would write a spec first, just so you get a sense of how the television rhythm works and is structured, a TV uh, script is uh, structured. Yeah. Um, so yes, it is read by the same person. And what I always recommend people do is write a spec that is in a similar genre to your pilot. So if you're writing a supernatural um, pilot, if that's your original pilot, make sure you're writing a genre spec. Do not write a dark, gritty pilot and then a multi-cam mm -hmm. comedy because then we don't know what to do with you. Right. You know what I mean? What show do we send you to? Um, does that answer your yeah. question? And I was going to say, if they're both read by the same reader, yes. what... If they like one and not the other, how does that process go? Is it get you? You had mentioned that there's a second level of reader, but what does it take to get to that second level of reader? Do the, does the well, first reader have to love both of them to move on to the next one, or are they given really different? Really, a good question. Yeah. Really good question. This is this is how it works. There's mm -hmm. a scoring sheet. Oh, okay. And it's separate for the original pilot. And you could also do a short story sure. or a play, a one-act play. Um, so there's, it's scored and the spec is scored. So the ultimate score is a combination. Gotcha. If, but we look at both of them. If the original is a home run, but the spec isn't quite as strong, they still will make it to the next level. Okay. Yeah. No, that's great. So it's not the reader individually who decides whether they get to the next level. Someone above them will look at the scores and decide whether or not they get a second read. That's exactly gotcha. correct. No, that's great. That's good to know. Um, so writing pairs, do they uh, have a better opportunity or is it exactly the same? Because I know in the past it's been some writers' rooms like pairs of writers because you get two voices. Does for the it, price of one. For the price of one, um, I'm sure. We've had a number of writing teams in the program. Some, I think that writing teams are attractive to showrunners mm -hmm. because they get two voices 
for the price of one. Mm -hmm. Now the bad side, the downside for you writing teams is you only make half the money. Sure. Um, but uh, I, it's a plus, but only be with a, only be in a team with somebody if it's a real relationship. Um, if it's genuine and it's long run, when we look at, at writing teams, we say, did they just come together last year or have they been working together mm. for a while? We're interested in people who have been working together for a while. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, and then I had a question before we open it up to the audience questions, which we have quite a few. And if you have questions for Carol, please leave them in the uh, live stream. Uh, I want to talk about the interview just really quickly. What sure. sort of questions go on in the interview and who participates? I'm assuming you and yes. uh, did you say it was Jeannie? Jeannie. Um, who else participates in, in the interviews and what sort of questions do you ask during this interview? Right. It's me and Jeannie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, or Jeannie and me. Jeannie, Jeannie and, and I. I, I, I was an English teacher once a hundred years ago, so I always worry about that. Um, here's what we're definitely going to ask you. Any fellowship, any general meeting. Mm -hmm. So tell me about yourself. Okay. Tell us about yourself. Your, it's what I call your personal A story. And you have to have that down pat. It has to be engaging. It has to be interesting. You have to be able to pause and let somebody ask questions. Um, so we're going to ask you, tell us about yourself. We're going to ask you how you became a writer, why you became a writer. We're going to ask you what you like on television, what you're watching. We're going to ask you what shows that are on CBS and Viacom shows and Paramount Plus you think you would be a good match for and why. We're going to ask you a little bit about what you're working on. We'll ask you if you have representation. Um, you'll, we'll ask you if you have questions for us. That's pretty much how it goes. You want it to be a conversation. The people who do not do well in interviews are people who cannot read a room. Hmm. Either, you know, also somebody who's so nervous that they're not present, that's a problem. People who talk like this and they talk nonstop and you say, tell us about yourself. And five minutes later, they're still talking. Mm -hmm. It's like, stop. You're not in. You're not getting in until you can understand that this has to be a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so you started with last season. Let's use that as an example with 1800 applicants. Right. And you ended up at the end with 10. No, with, was it 10 last season or 10 this season? Okay. It's 10 this Okay, week. 10 uh, actual fellows. So right. from the first round of 1,800 to the second round of reading, how many made it to the second reading? Before they got to me. How right. many? Exactly. So I would say, and I just want to say, I want to go back to something about the interview. Yeah. Be prepared. Sure. Be prepared to know what shows you like on television. They don't all have to be CBS or Paramount Plus, but a couple of them should. Sure. Um, uh, we once interviewed somebody and we said, well, what's your favorite shows? And she mentions Showtime and HBO and Netflix. And we said, well, how about CBS? And she said, oh, I'm not your demographic. I don't watch it. Wow. We went, oh, you're not in the program. <laughs> we didn't say that to her. We said it to ourselves. Right. Um, anyways, so I would say it goes from 1,800 probably to 200. Oh, okay, so and it's then quite from a... two hundred, then it'll go to fifty or sixty. Right, and then that fifty and sixty, how many of those actually got interviewed? 
about 25 to 30. Okay. 25, so, 25. Okay. So about half of yes. the, those. Okay. Made it to you, made it to the interview. Okay. And then you ended up with the final 10. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and I guess I wanted to ask you about the fellowship going forward this year in terms of COVID. Yeah. Is it going to be in person or virtual or have you not made that decision yet? Do you have any idea what, what the program is going to look like this year? I, I don't think this whole past year has been virtual mm -hmm. and the program runs from October until the end of April. Mm -hmm. So this is my guess. Um, through through 2021, it'll be virtual, maybe for the beginning of 2022. Our it'll be when CBS deems Danes to open the offices so that we can meet there. And I don't know when they will make that decision, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping against hope that we will be able to be in person come 2022, at least by the end of the program. Mm -hmm. And last year, this year and the year before, we didn't get to have a graduation, which we have every year oh. in person. So we're going to have them when the world opens up in an analog way. Right. Um, okay. So those individuals that are applying from out of state, if once it becomes in person, would have to be here in Los Angeles. Absolutely. Gotcha. There was a guy who lived in Philly mm -hmm. and he flew in every week wow. from Philly. That's commitment. Yeah. But here's the thing. You need to be here mm -hmm. because we may call you on a Wednesday and say you have a showrunner meeting on Friday. On Thursday, you have to be able to go and you have to be able to be ready to work mm -hmm. immediately. Right. So if you're living someplace else, that's not going to work. Does that happen very often where you'll have fellows and they'll get a showrunner meeting and they'll get a job while they're in the middle of the fellowship? Yes. Oh, we wow. have five out of 10 people that are already staffed. Wow. This year. So what does that do for their participation in the fellowship? Do they just take a step back and, or do they no. continue to participate in the fellowship while they're on the show at the same time? They do. They okay. do because our classes are Wednesday nights. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. From six thirty to eight thirty or nine. Okay. So Usually they'll ask their showrunner, mm -hmm. can they get out in enough time to do that? Most showrunners say yes, some because they're, don't. Because they're getting paid by the fellowship anyway. Right, so, right. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Oh, no, that's great. Okay. And everybody this year mm -hmm. is from L.A. Sure. Whether they were living there, whether they're living there right now mm -hmm. because of COVID. We, had, we, have one, we have one mentee who got staffed two weeks ago who's living in Mexico. Oh. But as soon as the world opens up, he will be back here. Sure, okay. So he can be in a room. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, okay, so here's uh, the first question from the audience. Let's see. Um, Art, Art Tuari asked, uh, our good friend Art, uh, will this Hi, year's Art. program be virtual, which you already sort of answered? Any plans on opening it for people outside of L.A. or running a new program in New York City for East Coasters? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, the television business primarily is in Los Angeles. There are some shows in New York and maybe more, but our program doesn't cover that. We don't have the resources. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Art also asked, if selected, does the program uh, focus or help on developing, pitching, or selling a new TV show that I may be working on? Um, last night for our our um, our speaker was the amazing DJ Nash, who shows a, little, a million little things is on ABC. Mm-hmm. He is one of the most phenomenal pitchers I've ever heard. He came in last night and he talked about how you pitch. But the program is not geared at all to help you sell your project. It's really about getting you staffed. Right. And getting you representation. Mm-hmm. Um, he also asked, should the resume include non-writing experience and education, like acting, directing, or prior career, like IT uh, business consultant? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Whatever the truth is, you know, I, I think you need to include that. And that can make you interesting. Sure. Um, just as a hint, I'd put my education last on your resume, not first. Okay. Um, and then, uh, let's see, I laugh at me. Okay. Do you have any advice for those who were finalists in prior years? Apply again. Okay. Um, and and let me just tell you, we've had people who have applied six times and then got in. Oh, but they did get in. That's good. Yes. Yes. I mean, the fact, here's the truth. Every year you're going to be a better writer. Mm Mm-hmm. Every year you need to keep writing and you'll be a better writer. Right. That's true. Uh, Let's see. Uh, KP only asked, are they opening up writer's rooms to Zoom? I don't know the question, but all writer's rooms are Zoom right now. Right. And and just from my conversations with showrunners that I know, uh, and also just staff uh, that I know, nobody expects this, and nor, nor do they want it to continue going forward as soon as the writers rooms are able to open up almost all of them even with commutes want at least some sort of a hybrid if not the writers rooms to be back to the way they were there's just a lot of things you can't do and it's just not as personal and it's not the same uh virtually that's exactly right because here's the thing for people just starting out it's all about relationships Mm -hmm. well for anybody at any level it's about relationships and if you're not in the in the you know, the snack room, sitting there uh, having, um, you know, Kit Kat bars together and Diet Cokes um, at three in the afternoon or having your latte, you're not going to get a chance to really have a personal connection. Right. So we want it to open up. And as soon as it does, we will. Yeah. Um, So let's see. Uh, This one was sent to me by a a regular Nicholas Philippa, who's... uh, and Aussie wanted to know, I would be interested to hear Carol's thoughts on the future of virtual writers rooms and the possibility that writers may one day be based in different cities or countries rather than Los Angeles. That's a really good question. Yeah. Um, I think most people prefer to have in-person writers rooms. I think we've seen the benefit during virtual writers' rooms of people who may be on the East Coast or someplace else. But I, it, unless a showrunner says, yeah, I just want a virtual room, I think that, and that, and that can happen. It, it may happen, but I wouldn't hitch my wagon to that because mm-hmm. I don't think that is going to be the norm. I think that may, it may happen and it'll be an exception. Right, that's the outlier. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, Raquel Cedar says, Thanks you for ho- thank you for hosting this. Oh, you're welcome. It's extremely helpful. Besides being in the same genre as your original pilot, any suggestions on which shows are best to spec for your program? Sure. Oh, that's a good one. Um, that's yeah. a really good question. Yeah. Um, Warner's only takes the ones on their list. Mm-hmm. We will take any, but here's the parameters. Here's what I recommend. It has to be on the air. Mm-hmm. Or if it's been off the air, it can only be off the air for a minute. could only have wrapped up this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I would choose a show that is in its second season, unless it's a blazing hot hit. And it's clear that it's going to go on and on. Because if you choose something that you loved, but it only had one season, you're not going to be able to use that spec. Mm-hmm. Um there are so many shows on the air that it is hard for the readers and for me to know all of the shows. So you may want to try, if you can, a show that's more not not in the mainstream, like being on a network, that's not necessary. But if it's so obscure that only three people have seen it, that makes it harder. Mm-hmm. Um, You also want to choose a show that is really well written. Don't choose a crappy show because it doesn't show that you can write elevated material. Right. Um, I also, and this isn't part of the question, but I'll say it anyways. I really encourage people to find a great buzzworthy concept to use for their spec something that's memorable, but still within the world and mm-hmm. keeping of the show. Um, I guess that leads to two more questions I had that to sort of follow up on what Raquel asked. The first being, if you're talking about doing something memorable with your spec, is it bad if they do something that's a little bit esoteric that may not be necessarily within the normal parameters of a show, but it has all the elements of that show, the characters, the dialogue, the world itself. But for example, they took a character that's not normally in focus and they focus solely on them or, t- or did some sort of interesting way of telling the story that's out of the norm. Would that be... I wouldn't do it. Okay. Because, that, because well, while it may be a conscious choice on the part of the person who's writing that, sure. as a reader, we don't know whether uh, they get it or do they not get it. Right. They, they can't... They're not writing the show the way it is. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um, And I guess the other question I had about uh, specs, what specs have you seen a lot of recently or do you expect to see a lot of? Because I think part of Raquel's question, and I could be wrong, but I'm, I'm filling in some of the blanks here, are not wanting to write something that you're going to get a million specs of so that theirs just gets lost in there. Is there anything out there you think is underrepresented or things that are you know are going to be way overrepresented? Like you've read your one millionth Ted Lasso spec, so really don't write that. Or your one millionth whatever NCIS or whatever it happens to be, so try something different. Yes, I think that's a great question, Kevin, Raquel, whoever. <laughs> we'll um, give credit to Raquel. but Let's give credit to Raquel yeah. in uh, Australia. Um You don't want to write the most 
popular show on the air mm -hmm. because I will get a million of them. Um, we got a million flea bags. Okay, um, I see. Even though that show only ran for two seasons. Mm -hmm. After the first season, we got a million of them. Um, I, I, I would find something that you love that, and, and even if, even if there's a million of them, if you, if this show is your jam and you've got this voice down and you've got an amazing idea for it, write it. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't write a show that you don't love. I know a lot of people are trying to be strategic. Well, I should write this. I should write, write the show you love, mm -hmm. write the show that when you watch it, you say, why didn't they ever do this and write that. Do procedurals work better than sort of episodics based on the fact that a writer who's writing a spec, I'm just using an example, even though it hasn't been on the air, like a Game of Thrones. You don't know where things are going, so you're just kind of making it up as you go along and you have to insert it somewhere in that world, in that timeline, versus writing something like, uh, you know... Uh, NCIS, speaking of a procedural, where it can slide right in into the world. You would never know if it's done well. You would never know that it wasn't an actual episode unless you've watched all of the episodes. You know what I mean? Right. Does sure. one work better than the other or? Not really. And it's a really good question. Here's the thing. You want to write. You want to watch. You want to watch. Well, you do want to watch, right. but you want to write the best show you can. Mm -hmm. The most interesting, compelling show. We're CBS. You don't need to write a CBS show. Trust me. Procedurals, most middle-of-the-road procedurals are not very exciting. They, mm. may be, they may be like comfort food to watch, but in terms of writing, they may not be the most exciting uh, shows. They may not have the best character development. So a serialized character drama, serialized dramedy is fine. It's mm -hmm. absolutely fine. That's mostly what we read. If uh, I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of equalizers this year. Mm. I could be wrong. Um, but, you know, that has a great main character. So that kind of a procedural, I think, would be fine. Um, but mostly I think you want to find shows where you're exploring characters on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to write a procedural that crime that case that that disease of the week has to be fantastic right and unusual and something we talk about you know so it's that very fine line it sounds like where you want the spec to stand out as unique but also fit within the conventions of what that show actually is and and not alter from that structure of what that show is that's right. Here's my favorite example. And this is from three decades, two decades ago. Um, when Cheers was on the air, mm -hmm. um, a guy wrote a spec called The Shrine. And at that time, in real life, the then Pope was traveling around the United States. Mm. And the Pope had gone to Boston. And his concept was, the Pope is in Boston, goes past Cheers, has to use the bathroom, stops in at Cheers, uses the bathroom, leaves, and somebody steals the toilet. Now, 
do you see it's a comic do you see how that made you laugh yeah and it was perfectly in keeping with the show the pope really could have come to the pope really did go to boston mm -hmm. and it is within the realm of the show that somebody would come in what it explored in addition and it was called the shrine which is a pretty funny double entendre mm -hmm. um it it was able to explore each of the characters takes on spirituality and religion wow so we got to get it was funny as hell the concept was funny it was totally memorable i'm still talking about it 20 years later and it deepened the characters it it shine it shone a light on the characters and explored something about them that they that had not been explored before do you remember who wrote that and can you share who wrote that it was tom palmer Okay. And he went on to become a showrunner. He went to, um, he was in Chicago, I think. I could have this wrong. He was in the Midwest, and he was in advertising, I believe. This hmm. was his, you know, his big swing to get into television. He went on to Murphy Brown, if I'm remembering it correctly, and moved up the ranks and became a showrunner. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, do you, any other, do you have any other uh specific specs that stood out as unique that you just off the top of your head can remember like that? Cause that's brilliant. That is absolutely that was brilliant. pretty brilliant. Yeah. Um, if not, I mean, we can, I'm trying let, give me 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. One, two, three, four. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I read so many sure. of them. I, I have literally read thousands mm -hmm. of spec scripts and I'm, I, I don't remember any right now right. that I can. Well, then yeah. I guess my next question before we move on to some more uh, listener questions or audience questions is uh, you had mentioned, um, uh, what was I going to ask you? Uh, we we're talking about specs. Um, well, let me ask you, uh, Raquel had a second question, which you've already answered, but we'll, we'll touch base on it. Should it be a CBS show or can it be from another network? You obviously said the shows can be, the spec can be from another network, correct? Or Other... streamer or cable. Sure. Write the best show you can. Write the best show that's the most interesting show. It does right. not have to be, does not have to be on CBS. It doesn't have to be on NBC if it's an NBC show. No, just write. Here's the thing. People at the networks, they know all their shows, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean they don't love Ted Lasso. That doesn't mean they don't love um, uh, something on Netflix or Amazon. The right. Boy, you know what I mean? Right. On Hulu. Right. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, Jay Craft says, Hi, Carol. Thank you for doing this for all emerging writers out there. Um, I wanted to ask you, is it a bad idea to write a spec where I introduce new characters? Uh, yes. They make sense for the existing world. You can use a new character only if it's an inciting incident, like the Pope comes to Boston. Gotcha. The Pope has nothing to do with that story. You want, the, you want to explore the characters that are in the show and just deepen them. You don't want to bring in um, a new character that is going to drive the story. That that would not be a smart idea. And um, some people write a whole script about a character that isn't the lead, isn't the second lead, and may or may not be the third lead. Mm -hmm. Do not write a whole show about them because that's MacGyver is not about 
the guy that parks your car. It's about MacGyver. So make sure that that you you can you can bring up and explore one of the secondary characters, but don't make the whole thing about that secondary character. Right. My question that I just remembered is from last year specifically. Can you maybe, if you remember, a few scripts, a few shows that you received too many of from the program? Were there any that stood out as we received a lot from the show? Just because I know uh, writers out there who are going to try to avoid certain shows. Sure. You know, if, if there's anything that stood out to you as this will probably, we'll probably get a lot of this particular script or the show, I should say, as a spec. Right. Um, I read over a hundred scripts this past year mm-hmm. and they blend together. Sure. Um, so I, there was a time when everybody was writing blackish Okay. There was a time when um, everybody was writing True Detective, um, but that's certainly not recently. Um, what did I see a lot of? Uh, I'm sorry. My mind no. is a sniff, Kevin. It's a sad, sad thing. No, you read, you read hundreds of scripts for the fellowship every year and for other things, I'm assuming, as well. So, no, I totally, I totally understand. Um, and, and you had already mentioned if a show is super popular, the top 10 shows, you're probably going to get a lot of. So if you can, if you can the avoid the three shows. top three shows, I, I wouldn't want, but unless, and that was the mm-hmm. caveat, you sure. love this show right. more than life itself. Right. And you have a fabulous idea for it. Like the shrine. For like the cheers. shrine. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's because that'll stand out on its own regardless. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and it did because you still remember it. So <laughs> two decades later. Yeah. Um, Crystal asked, should the essay tell a specific anecdote story or encompass a larger look at your life story? Good question, Crystal. It should do both. Start your essay by putting me in a scene, a specific scene. Um, one, one, uh, mentee wrote, I was 12 and I was at the pyramids and I was scared. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, it gets you want to grab the reader um, emotionally. So set it up with a scene, but then go into your bigger picture of who you are, why you became a writer, um, what you have to bring to a writer's room, what you had to overcome perhaps to become a writer, um, what you love about writing what you show us that you can come up with stories and stories and stories. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Art also asked, uh, do writers who have optioned or produced features get any extra credit or is it the same as any other new writers who apply? It's the same as any other new writers who apply. Cause this is not about features. It's about television. Right. So there's no, and there's no extra credit period. Right. And you wouldn't honestly know unless you liked their work anyway, because you wouldn't get to their uh, resume and their personal statement exactly. until after they passed the first two rounds of, of reading of their material. So, right. Um, okay. Uh, Art also asks for spec, is it okay to choose a show that may have been on for 10 years and is no. already renewed for many more seasons, like always sunny in Philadelphia? Uh, any suggestions on how to craft the spec uh, new characters, etc. Don't write a show that's been on the air for 10 years. Okay. There are no new stories. Um, I did read 
Always Sunny, and it was pretty good. It really was pretty good, but I, I didn't watch 10 years of that show, so um, I wouldn't watch some, I wouldn't read some, I wouldn't write something that has been on for, don't write an SVU. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't write an SVU. It's been on forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think we spoke to, do not create new characters for your spec. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do that unless it's just an inciting character or it's the mother who comes to town and gets everybody all in a dither about something. Right. You don't want to create a new focal point of, you want exactly. your focal point to be on the existing characters, if not the right. existing main character. Show that you can write for those characters, right. for sure. Do you select, and this is just a question that I had, do you select the equal number of, of drama, one-hour drama writers uh, as you do for comedy? Or is it just whatever the applicants come in, whatever the material, whatever the, the solid fellows you have, is that's what you go with? That's a really good question. Um, we've had years that were just all drama. Oh, okay. For some reason, there haven't been a lot of comedy um, submissions. This year, half of our staff, half of our staff, they'll all get staffed, I'm sure. Um, half of the group is comedy and the other half is drama. There are more dramas in the CBS, Viacom, mm. Paramount Plus world. So it is sometimes easier to staff drama writers and comedy writers, but we love comedy writers. Mm-hmm. What if somebody, for example, works, I know the comedy circuit kind of works in a weird way. If somebody coming up, uh, talking about extra credit, somebody coming up and they make it to your interview, meaning you, yes. the writing is solid, and they happen to know some of these other writers on different shows just based on their comedy work, is that extra credit? If they're familiar with writers on other shows, thinking that they may be able to use that, those connections, those... Resources. If they know writers on other shows yeah. who know me, oh, they no. should send me an email. Oh, I gotcha. And say, Kevin is fabulous. Here's why. Um, just knowing people on other shows doesn't doesn't mean anything sure, good for sure. you. I'm so happy for you that you know people on other shows, but it's not going to help you get into the program. Oh, I gotcha. I, I mean, it, it, so it doesn't help if they happen to be friends with writers on specific shows, thinking that you may be able to use that as leverage to for your showrunner meetings and things like that that you set up? Um, in the interview process, sure. it's sure. always interesting to know, but it's not, not, good. It's not particularly right. relevant. The other stuff is weighs much more heavy? Absolutely. Gotcha. And if they know people who've been in the program, oh, anybody who's applying, who knows gotcha. anybody who has applied or been in the program, I would definitely reach out to them. They're generous people, our mm-hmm. alumni, and say any hints on that letter of interest, that um, that interview. And we always love to know who do you, we will, that is one of the questions. Do you know anybody who's been through the program? Oh, wow. I think, okay, that's great. They're yeah. sort of plugged yeah. in, they've done their research. Yeah. Oh, and for the interview, do your research. If you don't know who Jeannie Mao is, if you don't know who I am and you just come in, it doesn't show that you've put the extra effort in. Sure. Absolutely. Well, hopefully they know who you are after this, if they didn't before. <laughs> um, and go read uh, Carol's book. We have a link below. Um, Thank you. Uh, let's see. Uh, Shelley asks, are international applicants welcomed? 
here's the problem mm -hmm. or here's an issue or here's a consideration. Mm -hmm. The point of the program is to get you staffed. You need to be able to work in this country. You need to be able to have a work visa. A show for a staff level writer is not going to sponsor you. Mm -hmm. So if you're international, that's fine as long as you can work in this country tomorrow. Gotcha. And be in Los Angeles for the program. And be in Los Angeles for yeah. the program. Which you don't pay for room and board or travel or any of that kind of stuff. Gotcha. No. Um, I actually wanted to take one step back really quickly and go back to drama versus comedy in the program. Yeah. You had mentioned yeah. that drama seems, seems to be heavier. You got more submissions. As in the past. In the past. But it's pretty even yeah. now? It, it was this year. Okay. Yeah, I was just kind of curious. You know what? Yeah. This year we had more comedy oh, submissions okay. than we had drama, interestingly. Well, it was a rough year, so maybe they had to laugh. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's true. Yeah, maybe. I think that's true. Um, let's see. Uh, Kristen Gamel asks, uh, what if your spec is closer to your career and a dramedy of an existing show that is written with some action uh, and your pilot action drama? Hmm. What if your spec is closer to your career and a dramedy of an existing show that is written with some action and your pilot action drama? And I guess if I'm re if I'm understanding this and maybe she can resend it. Sure. If your pilot is a what did she say? An uh, action drama? It's, it's a yeah, pilot. It's an action drama. Yeah. If your pilot is a drama with a lot of action, yeah. but your spec is a dramedy, yeah. that's if it's a dramedy that truly has serialized character dramas, and she said a dramedy with some action. Did she say a dramedy no, with some it's, action? No, it's closer to her, let's see, her, her spec career. is closer to her career and a dramedy of an existing show that is written with some action. So... So her pilot, if I'm just reading this right, yeah. her pilot is a drama with lots of action. I guess and so. And her spec is a comedy. It's a dramedy of an existing action. show. It's a dramedy. Right. Well, yeah, it's got to be of an existing show that yeah. has well, that's action. True. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't yeah. sound like the spec is in action at all. Really? Doesn't it say, I know it's close to her career, which. Oh, is, with some action. Okay. So it has, I guess has some action. Yeah. I stand correct. You could make that work. You can make that work. The fact that it's close to your career is like neither here nor there, except you'll probably write it really well because mm. you know that world. Sure. Oh, here's, here's, I always say this every time I'm interviewed. This is how you can tell a brand new green writer. Um, overachiever in New York or Los Angeles who just got fired or just lost their job or has to go back to their hometown for some reason because someone has died or is sick mm -hmm. and they take over the family business. Don't write that. I've, we've seen it 2,768,000 times. Right. Write something else. Good to know. Um, People are going, oh, damn. Yeah, now what am I going to write? Now what am I going to write? I only have two weeks. Um, let's see. Daniel John Carey asks, um, I run screenwriting tribe workshop, which has over 900 members. I encourage them to apply to the, I encourage them to apply to the programs. There is an attitude that the programs don't accept white males. How in reality is that? That's not true. That's not true. I mean, it is open to everybody. Sure. Okay. Uh, let's see here. 
uh, Tiffany asks, what if you want to write the show you love, but it's been on for 20 seasons, like SVU or NCIS? You sort of covered that, but I wanted to add an addendum. What if it was like the the shrine near the end of Cheers' run? Is that something? Here's the thing. Yeah. For SVU or NCIS, yeah. if, if you can think of a story that hasn't been told in 20 years, go for it. I don't recommend it. Mm. It's not as ex- it's not exciting to read those. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Unless you have a story that has never been told but still fits in with the reality of that of that show. Mm-hmm. I think I think you don't do yourself a service by doing that. Um, let's see. Art Tuari asked, just wanted to say hello. Oh, and Thanks to Carol for her book, Hollywood Game Plan. Such a great book. A must read for all. Thank you. Uh, thank you. you um, Jack Cross asks, uh, question, would you prefer an essay that showcases showrunner traits or one that explores story creation traits? Really great question. I've never been asked that question. I think what we're looking for is somebody at that level who can create stories. Now, when we meet you, we're looking, part of the evaluation is this person have leadership skills. Mm-hmm. You know, they can be nascent. They can, they, you don't have to be a, a manager today. But if we feel like, wow, that's somebody who's smart and gets it and is sharp and confident, and even if they're not confident, they can fake it, um, that helps. But, but in your essay, in, you can mention, you know, I was a platoon leader. That's mm. impressive. But but it, it's not really what goes into what we're evaluating. We're looking, can we help you get an agent? Can we help you get a manager? Will this get you staffed? Are you a person who's staffable? Mm-hmm. And what sort of characteristics stand out as someone who is staffable? Like when you okay. interview them what because it's it's only uh, you've read their work obviously so they need to be a talented writer and you've read their background and and but between what you see on the resume and what you learn from them in the interview process what strikes you as what makes you think that they're staffable what sort of characteristics what sort of answers what sort of thing things on their resume you just mentioned platoon leader that's obviously something that you know if they were a high up in management somewhere, whether it's in the military or elsewhere, uh, that helps. But what sort of things would you say uh, look good on a resume or lead you to believe that they're either a leader or they're staffable? Um, in the interview, because mm-hmm. that's what, how you started this, in the interview, yeah. it's about are you personable? Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like dating. Do, we, do I want to be around you? When a showrunner decides to hire you, they, you won't get to meet a showrunner unless they love your material. Mm-hmm. And then, and we can talk about how you prepare for showrunner meetings if there's time. Yeah. Um, but it's, are you easygoing? Are you relaxed? Even if you're not, everybody's nervous. You know what I mean? And you could say, I'm so nervous. And we go, we know that's okay. Take a breath. If you can have a conversation that's engaging and you don't talk to me like this the whole time, which many, many people have. Right. Um, and um, if you can pause and let the other person ask questions, if you can read a room, and if you know your story well, 
if you know what your, what I call your A story is, and you can present that well in a way that's engaging and make us lean forward, then we believe, we probably hope that a showrunner will feel the same way about you. Mm -hmm. If you are like a psycho, that's not a good thing. Sometimes, sometimes meetings are called psych, not, not our meetings, but, um, other sometimes showrunner meetings are called just a psycho check. Mm. Um, is this somebody that you'd be scared to spend eight hours or 10 hours or 15 hours a day with, or would they be fun to be with? Yeah. I've heard heard that term before as well. Yeah. Yeah. Upbeat, positive, Mm -hmm. somebody who's negative, somebody who's bitter, somebody who is obviously really depressed. Mm. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard to think a showrunner would be excited about meeting that person. Right. Right. You want, showrunners are looking for people to make their life easier, better, happier, not somebody they have to try to cheer up or something. You have to deal with someone's negativity is, I think, a challenge because it's hard enough as it is. Yeah. And the other side of that is someone who feels entitled, which you can tell. There are Mm -hmm. certain colleges, which I won't mention, that people that come out of them feel entitled. Right. And um, I went to one of them. (laughs) I bet you. Did you go to school in Boston by any chance? I didn't. I went to USC, but yeah. So. Yeah, I wasn't going to say USC. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Ivy Leagues. Yes, I would assume that. They're... And not everybody from USC. No, sure. Title, for yeah. sure. But anybody, anybody that just comes in with an air of, yeah, give this to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really about, are you, and also for me, for Jeannie, for any of my programs, are you a decent person? Mm-hmm. Are you going to give back? Right. We care about that. Because our alumni organization, our network is super important. And we look for people who are going to give back. Right. So I want to hear about that when we talk. Right. No, that makes sense. Not the, uh, you would be honored to have me in your program. Yeah. This is why you need me. This is why I'm going to get in. Right. Right. You'd be lucky to have me. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Art also says, FYI, previous CBS alumni Steve Harper and Bradley Estrin Banks uh, yes. have been so generous and kind to me. Your folks are great people and speaks highly of the program and Carol, especially. Oh, there you go. that's so nice. Both of them are awesome. They're so awesome. Steve Harper is great. And Bradley's in this year. And Bradley just got staff. So it's like, yay, Bradley. Oh, that's great. He has a great story. He's a lovely human being. And Steve is a lovely human being. So, oh, that's great. yeah. Um, Hillary Van Hoos asks, for specs, should we try to mimic the formatting and style of the show we're specking? Uh, if it's unusual, or should we go for a more generic format style so that it's most easily understood? No, you should do it in the format of the show. Okay. There you go. Um, Art says... Uh, I've got a lot of questions from Art. Yeah. He's no, a very Art, inquisitive guy. He is. He's here on a lot of our live streams, and he's very uh, engaging, so that's great. We love having him around. Um, Hi, Art. Uh, how important is it to include my personal life, like being an Indian immigrant, married to German Japanese wife, father to a triracial child, things that define me and my storytelling? I think that's really important because you also want to stand out. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to show us that you're unique. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That you have a unique voice and a unique experience. And mm-hmm. 
And that's certainly what, what he just said makes him unique, for yeah. sure. Uh, and he says also stuff like speaking multiple languages, social, political inclination, etc. I wonder if it comes off as too much info or is it good to share things about me that define my storytelling and me? I think you should say things that define your storytelling and you. I would sort of stay away from politics. I really would. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I would just stay away from politics. But you can talk about you know, justice, you can talk about what's happening in our world today and in our culture in this past summer, you can talk about that for sure. And this past summer, this past week. Yeah. Um, but we want to know, certainly how you feel about that. But this is really also just about you as who you are and what makes you stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after, let's see, after moving to later rounds interview, how much do you look into the candidate's social media presence? Any suggestions All on do and don'ts? Time. Okay. Be- because if you're, and you should know this, whenever you're having a meeting with anybody, they're checking out your social before mm. they meet you. Absolutely. So I would be mindful about what you put up there. I would be mindful about... <laughs> I just had an image that I'm not going to share with you of, um, you know, something that's super extreme. I would Mm. be careful if you're a comedy writer, your tweets should be funny. Mm. Um, And uh, just know you're being seen. Mm -hmm. You're being reviewed. That absolutely happens. So lots of of good reviews of Carol Kirshner's book is. uh... Yeah. Why is that even a question? (laughs) Um, okay, so I wanted to, you had mentioned preparing for showrunner meetings and preparation of uh, being an important part of that. Can you maybe elaborate on that a little bit? Sure, sure. Like what goes into pre- preparation for these showrunner meetings and how do you, you know, coach emerging writers or, you know, fellows to do that? Sure, sure. Well, the first thing is to do your research. Mm-hmm. Watch every single episode of the show if it's an ongoing show. If it's been on for 20 years, Mm -hmm. I would go back and see if you can find the pilot and I'd watch an episode from almost every year and I'd watch three of the most recent episodes. Mm -hmm. But as much as you, sometimes though, you know, you're going to say, you're going to find out your agent, your manager, Jeannie, someone will call you and say, you've got a meeting in two days or tomorrow. You're not going to have time to read, to watch 30 episodes, sure. but do your very best. Um, if it's a pilot, read the pilot more than once, more than twice, more than three times. Know it backwards and forwards and know which characters you feel like your life experience can help you um, contribute to the storylines. Um, I, you could say, and, and, and there's always a trick question, not always, there can be a trick question. What didn't you like? Mm. Never say this sucked. Say things like, you know, I loved this, but what I would love to see more of is X. Mm. And I'm really interested to see how you're going to explore X, Y, and Z. You know, because when I was in the sorority, which I never have been in, but when this is about a sorority, sure. when I was in the sorority, um, I remember the first day when nobody would talk to me and 
again, you don't want to go on and on, but you want definitely want to have stories for your showrunner meeting stories from your life that are totally relevant to the show that shows you can be a story machine. Mm -hmm. We've often heard that certain questions are asked repeatedly, like, what are you watching? Mm -hmm. And you have to have an answer for that. Not, Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the worst responses would be like, oh yeah, I don't watch that much television or, you know, something like that. Definitely do not do that. That's right. Uh, And things like, what is your superpower? I don't know if you uh, coach uh, your fellows, I'm sure you probably have some variation of it on what they bring to the table. What is their special ability other than being a good writer and possibly their perspective, obviously being, you know, right. uh, different than other writers. Uh, so what is your take on that? And what do you, how do you help writers kind of come up with what, you know, since sure. they haven't been in a writer's room before, what is their superpower? Well, they're, if they are good with story, mm-hmm. that's what, here, here's here's the thing. Also, by the way, everybody's good with dialogue. Don't say that dialogue is your sure. is your superpower because that's the most fun thing to write. Right. So we are not needing somebody who can write dialogue. Um, it is that you're great at pitching. That you um, that you come up with ideas. That you don't have a problem with criticism at all. You can take it. Uh, that you really love research. You know what I mean? Mm. That um, or that you know something about this show. It's about baseball. You were a baseball player, mm-hmm. and that's what you can bring to the party. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah. So you know, research, structure, pitching, story generation, um, character development, and because something from your life resonates with that character or those characters. Mm-hmm. What are some other questions that? tend to come up frequently that you've heard in showrunner meetings? I mean, obviously Um, every showrunner is different, so you can't. Sure, sure. Tell me about yourself. Mm -hmm. Why did you become a writer? Those are the obvious ones. What do you like about my show? Mm. And here's the thing. Say what you like. Here's, Here's another thing, although it's really hard to imagine this. But if you don't like the show, don't go on the meeting. Sure. Really, because it's really easy to tell. Um. Well, what do you like about the show? Uh, what would you like to see different? Again, I liked this, but I'd like to see more of that. Um, what, if you can do your research ahead of time and find that personal connection, you went to USC, I went to USC, right. or my brother went to USC. You're a mountain climber, I'm a mountain climber. You know Kevin, I know Kevin. Right. Let's talk about Kevin. And Kevin has called me to say, Art's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll ask you about your hobbies. They may ask you about what is your life? What do you enjoy doing? They want to know you have a life. So that's an important thing. Um, yeah, those are the kind of questions. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Um, okay, let's see here. Uh, Jcraft asks, how involved does an entry-level staff writer get to be in a room? I've heard that some rooms just want you to sit and watch and learn, and other rooms... Everyone is a contributing member. Well, um, yes. Right. No, I've heard the same thing. It totally depends (laughs) on the showrunner. It depends on the showrunner. Most showrunners, because rooms are getting smaller, they're not paying you to say nothing. Hmm. In big rooms when there's 18 people, then maybe you can spend some time learning, but you are going to have to contribute. Mm -hmm. What I do say is spend a day or two 
getting a read of the room. Find out how the showrunner likes to be pitched to. See what the pecking order is. See if the lower writers really do have a chance to get their stuff on the board. Um, really, and then make sure that when you pitch, you're pitching something smart. Hmm. If you can get something, one thing a day or one thing every three days, you're in good shape. And, and speaking about like reading. Oh, let me just interrupt oh, yeah, yeah, you for one second. If what I would do if you're starting a show and you you can reach out in a couple of days to somebody who's a little higher up or more experienced on the show, you can ask them, hmm. how does a showrunner like staff writers to pitch? What recommendations do you have for me? Mm-hmm. Find an ally on the show. Right. No, that's good. I'm sorry. I interrupted. No, you. not at all. My question was just going to be for new writers, for staff writers coming in, especially from the fellowship, do you work with them and teach them maybe they're not as as experienced? I know you have them shadow and, and sit in on rooms, but what are some tips or what is some advice you have for writers going in to not step on toes? And and is, is there anything other than obviously just sitting and observing and, and, and doing your best? Is there any sort of practical, specific uh, uh, advice you have for new writers sure. going into a room, just trying to not step on toes, but at the same time, try to be heard so that you're seen as a valuable member, contributing right. member of the staff. Right. Well, here's some things. Yeah. When we go back to the analog world, hmm. be the first person in in the morning right. and be studying the board. Be the last person out. That will probably give you time with the showrunner. Hmm. Um. Find out what you can do to make yourself invaluable. Maybe it's writing on the board. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's doing research. Maybe it's helping with the social media. Find something that will make you invaluable. Right. And again, in terms of being heard, don't worry so much about being heard. Think about the show. Gotcha. What can you do to contribute to the show? Because it's a mind you are messing with your mind if you're saying, I have to be heard. I need people to see me and recognize me. What you need is to contribute something that's of value. Right. No, that's great. That's great. Um, let's see. Sandeep Gupta says, thanks oh, and hi. Sandeep. You mentioned the phrase elevated writing. Please elaborate. Elevated writing is a couple of things. It's deeper characters, it's um, fresh concepts, it's the unexpected. Hmm. When you think the story is going to go left and then you turn right, and but it's within keeping in the reality of that story where it's unexpected, but it makes perfect sense. That's elevated writing. Mm-hmm. Dialogue that is authentic and crisp, um, going deeper into themes, but doing it in an engaging and entertaining way. It's not taking the first, as a writer, your life is, should my character do this or this? Well, everybody in the whole wide world is going to pick A. Right. Don't pick A. Then don't pick B. And then try and come up with C and don't pick that either. Do E. Keep going through and find a better idea, a better choice, a mm-hmm. better choice. 
No, that's great. Um, so I know you've got to run, but I we so appreciate your time and and answering questions. Um, be sure to check out Carol's book, Hollywood Game Plan. We'll have a link uh, for you guys, or you can obviously search it out. Um, and your site is just carolkirshner.com? Yeah. Yep, we'll have yeah. a link to that and your Twitter as well. So thank you again, Carol. I really, really, really appreciate you coming on and uh, taking the time to come back on. I mean, if you haven't listened to Carol's previous podcast, we've got she's been on the podcast before and she's amazing. So thank you, yes. Carol. Totally my pleasure. And I just want to say something. Mm -hmm. If you go to the website, yeah. I have a free 31 page ebook on how you create your 30 second personal log. Oh, wow. So that's huge. Go use it and enjoy it. And that'll help you when you go into an interview. And I wish you all the best. I hope I will see you in an interview at the CBS program. And Kevin, as always, thank you for having me. No, thank you. And uh, we'll link to your uh, uh ebook as well so that people can get it uh that'll be great um so thank you all for watching and for joining us today and we'll see you this saturday at 10 a.m pacific for our episode on writing for animation with rob edwards and next saturday at 11 a.m pacific for our episode on staffing season um so thank you all and we will see you next time